Hi, I'm Peter Haddock and welcome to another edition of the Content with Media podcast. This edition is sponsored by Ritchie Brothers, the used equipment specialist, and you can find out all about how to buy or sell with Ritchie Brothers at rbauction.com. Today on the Content with Media podcast, I have Dave. Now, Dave is from the CEA. The CEA, for those of you who don't know what the CEA is, is it's the Construction Equipment Association. And this association actually gives us a support as a whole industry for the manufacturers and also helps to protect the industry through the CESAR scheme. But all of that is not important right now, because what's important right now, the hot topic that we're going to talk about with Dave is hydrogen. Yes, it's the time for hydrogen to come into the news. JCB has just launched a prototype hydrogen fueled excavator. And we're all talking about hydrogen because it's blown up in the media. People don't really understand necessarily the impact that's going to have on the industry. So what I brought Dave in to do is talk about the general elements of hydrogen and the benefits that he perceives that will bring to the industry. And of course, there's going to be some challenges as well. So hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hi, Peter. Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. This hydrogen has got us all in a buzz. Um, And so what we need to do is explain a little bit of the elements from a hydrogen, from a construction equipment perspective. So tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the basics uh, that the the hydrogen uh, is going to bring to the industry and uh, what we should be looking out for in general terms. Well, I think hydrogen as a as a fuel supply has long been lauded as the sort of the future to the post-carbon economy. And a hydrogen economy is something that people have long described as being where we will need to be in the long term sustainably. I mean, electricity is great and renewables are brilliant. But as we've seen over the past few years, renewable energy supplies go up and down on a windy and sunny day. You've got lots of renewable energy when it's calm and overcast, not so much. So as we try to move away from fossil fuels, looking for a blended approach to energy provision through the use of renewables, even some would say nuclear as well, will will take us where we need to be. But ultimately, if we can harness the full potential of hydrogen as a fuel, then really we're home and dry because you know hydrogen is everywhere. It's a, it's in water. You, we can extract it from water, and by combining hydrogen with um, electric motors in fuel cell technology, which is what JCB have done, you've got a very highly efficient um, mechanism of producing energy. With the only byproducts being water, which is what you started with. So it is perfection. In many ways, it's too good to be true. And when you start to understand some of the barriers we've got to get over, you realize it might be too good to be true. But as a starter, a vision of a hydrogen economy is something I think we should all cling to. Yeah, and I think you're right there. I think, you know, we've got a huge element in the industry at the moment. Big talk about sustainability. We've got the Sustainability Supply Chain School doing its plant charter, which is kind of unheard of. Flannery Plant Hires already signed up to that. You know, they're a big player in the industry. We've got HS2, Highways England, all looking for solutions. They're not just carbon solutions, they're productivity solutions as well. But also, when you're looking at that as an energy source that we can actually put into a machine that's an electric drive machine, well, it's going to be quieter as well, isn't it, Dave? And there's going to be those sort of benefits for 
reduced maintenance because an electric engine and all of the components that are in a diesel engine are very, very different, aren't they, Dave? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think, as you say, noise, emissions. So there's a lot of work going on at CA at the moment with the ECV project around air quality and emissions, which is a key driver for a lot of the sustainability work that the industry is doing. So effectively, how we can build. And as you say, at the moment, it's all about sustainability and the government strap line of build back better. And that into that framework comes the concept of building back into a, a sort of cleaner high, better air quality environment and construction playing its part in that. But as you say, once we start getting into electric motors, then we start to reduce the amount of materials we need to make machines. So the amount of metal in in engines disappears, the use of oils disappears, or certainly in the, the lubricant oils in the engines disappear. So we're making machines that are more sustainable, not only in the way they operate, but in the way that they come to market, their reliance on natural resources reduces. So a big excavator has less of a carbon footprint, less of an impact on the environment as it's built. And of course, you say you start to fuel it and power it by electric through a hydrogen fuel cell, then you've got no emissions, you've got no air quality issues, you've got no noise issues other than the actual working of the machine and digging things out of the ground. And it will take the construction industry a long way to where it needs to be in that sustainability journey. And so, yeah, we've got all the positives there, Dave. And I'm not looking for negatives, actually, in this podcast. But we've got to recognise that how we fill our cars up, for example, we can plug them in at home if we've got that electric drive car. But also, nowadays, we rely on petrol and diesel, don't we? And why we do that is because we've got a huge network that we can just pop in refuel very quickly and get on our way haven't we so there's obviously infrastructure issues there and what are your thoughts on those and how we tackle them piece by piece i guess well i i think we're on a sort of an evolutionary process now i mean the government are putting dates out around this end of production of petrol and diesel engines by 2035 somebody talking 2032 and that impact will be felt by the construction industry but i think it's naive to think that we're going to have some sort of revolution in power supply it won't it will be an evolution and for a long time we'll have this blended approach of different technologies and the technology that ultimately is the better technology it's the most efficient it's the most cost effective will be the one that wins this race and it's no different to the days when we used to have vhs and betamax we all coalesced around one technology because it was the better technology and ultimately despite what the government say the market will decide what that technology is because it will have to be affordable it'll have to be efficient and it will have to be some Something that works for everybody. So I think that we're on an evolutionary path now. Hydrogen has got a part to play in that. At the moment, the sort of all the focus is on electric vehicles, which is great. But the big elephant in the room there is the battery technology. Batteries are the limiting factor for all machines. They're massively heavy. They have limited range. Even the best batteries aren't the equivalent of petrol and diesel in terms of range. And of course, within batteries, there are a number of materials, a number of metals that are in themselves rare earth. And as rare earth, the clues in the title, there aren't that many of them around. So arguably, if we all switched to batteries, there wouldn't be enough materials to produce the batteries we need. So again, this is where things like hydrogen technologies can provide the answer for that. So JCB's move to produce this prototype is excellent. It's well-timed and it demonstrates what can be done. But nevertheless, as you say, you're not looking for negatives, but you would be naive to think or to even believe that there were no negatives around hydrogen. There are, and they will be challenges in their own right. But we've got 
got time and we've got a reason to do it. And, you know, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that means that what we've got to do then is we've got to look at how we can develop the infrastructure then, Dave. So what does that look like and how can we actually look at ways in which we can start to bring in this technology in different areas of the industry? And then what would that look like? when we have to actually go to that bigger infrastructure rollout. So I'm thinking projects like HS2, for example, have a, a mine in a line, as I call it. Um, so there's they're potential for them to put in hydrogen stations because a lot of that is greenfield sites and areas and it's all sectioned out. It's probably quite high. But if we're looking at people that are on general civils projects, general roadworks and smaller sort of housing uh, developments it's going to be a bit difficult for them to do that isn't it but what would a hydrogen setup have to look like we can only really talk about the challenges that hydrogen brings us and i think one of the biggest challenges for hydrogen is to understand that to store hydrogen it needs to be stored as almost liquid or gas and that requires either storing it at sort of around minus 250 degrees or at around sort of between five and ten thousand psi so they're two very big numbers and to get hydrogen into either one of those states requires a lot of energy on top of the energy it requires to produce it now interestingly most hydrogen produced in the uk at the moment is produced by reforming liquid natural gas so it's actually got a carbon footprint anyway if we really wanted to go to zero emission hydrogen truly zero emission hydrogen then we will be looking at things like electrolysis from water splitting water and producing the hydrogen from that so the, the those facts mean that the traditional way we look at transporting fuel so we have a fuel tank turn up at a station and and, and fill up the underground bunkers with fuel. That's not viable anymore. I think last time I looked, the transport costs of hydrogen was something like £5 a mile, something ridiculous like that because of the specialist machinery and vessels and containers that need to be transported in. So the only viable way at the moment is to have the hydrogen produced at site or very close to site so you don't have that same network of distribution that you would have for fossil fuels. That means that hydrogen at the moment lends itself to long-term projects, projects that are going to be on site for a long period of time and you can set up a hydrogen production facility on site, start to bring machinery powered by a fuel cell, then it would be very, very simple for you to go down the route of um, putting on a small production facility and producing your own energy on site. So this is one of the challenges that we face and I think although there were some gensets. I think at the construction show last year, there were some gensets on display that were powered by hydrogen. Again, smaller use devices, things that don't use a lot of hydrogen can work on the fuel. But as a main fuel, as a sort of fuel that will fuel everything from a, a 4CX to a big excavator to a mini digger, we're a long way from that yet because we need to overcome the challenges of producing it and distributing it. So I think that probably explains why JCB have demoed a very large machine that will probably be on site for a long time working in the same place, not something they wouldn't demonstrate it on a small digger because it's not viable for those small products. No, they've, no, they've got their, their lovely little um, JCB electric machine yeah. there that's doing a roaring trade, actually. And, you know, and I've heard a lot of good things from people like A-Plant. Um, they're, they're now Sunbelt Rentals, of course. Yes. Um, they're, they're using them and, and the likes of Lynch Plant Hire as well. But the thing for me then really is how do we make that um, the carbon, really super carbon efficient product um, that runs the other big carbon emitters like our machines. I'm guessing what I'm seeing in a futuristic site, Dave, is perhaps all the cabins 
are complete solar panels. Perhaps we set up uh, temporary wind turbines if they're not going to affect, obviously, the neighbours. And perhaps then we can create that electricity needed to produce these. And of course, you do say, you know, like you said there before, the transportation costs. Even if we've got a site compound, you know, bowsers are the most efficient way of getting fuel to an excavator because if you're tracking backwards and forwards just to fill up, well, obviously, you're using a lot of that excavator's capacity in doing so. And obviously, when you're tracking, as we know, tracks are very expensive and we want to keep the tracking of any excavator or any dozer for that matter down to a minimum because we don't want to be changing the undercarriage. So, you know, I can see that in the future that that's a way of potentially working. What are your thoughts on some of the the initial stages of how we can get it to work? I I think you're absolutely right, Peter. You know, earlier in this interview, I used the term a blended approach. um, And going forward, we will see the transport sector for all of us, a very sort of rich mix of petrol, diesel, electric, maybe hydrogen. There are hydrogen road cars available now. And we will move towards the dominant technology. And I think in a construction site, a truly green construction site will have to harness every renewable technology that we have. So it will have, as you say, solar panels on the welfare cabins. It may have generators on site that are fueled by hydrogen fuel cells. So maybe a permanent hydrogen fuel cell on site generating the electricity for the whole site. But then the generator used to power up the, or recharge the batteries on the smaller plant and then the bigger plant using a hydrogen fuel cell itself. So if you imagine you have got a site that's going to be working for 12 months, 18 months, you could build in your hydrogen production facility and you could build in a fuel cell on site linked to that facility then that would power the whole site and yeah. have the and have the ability then to provide the power supply to charge up batteries for other kits. So I think if you're imaginative and you embrace everything that we currently have and accept it isn't going to be a race to just one destination. We are going to embrace all of these different technologies and, you know, it will be the right fuel source for the right job. So we've talked a lot, Dave, about JCB for obvious reasons, and that's why we've got on the podcast, because that was big news. Um, what's happening with other manufacturers that you see with hydrogen? And obviously, you've mentioned some of the engine um, players as well. What are they doing in the industry at the moment, and how will that impact more of these prototypes from other manufacturers coming through? Talking to industry contacts, I think that there has been a sort of race to be the first one to launch a prototype. And I think one of the reasons that everybody's quite excited about the JCB is they actually won that race and that they were the first to cross the line with their working prototype. I know that other big plant manufacturers are also pushing hard towards diesel. I believe that Caterpillar have got a project and I think Hitachi or Hyundai, one of the two, have got a project as well. So it is going to be a case that everybody will be moving in this direction. And you know, certainly the bigger, heavier plants, the things that... Because you imagine if, if you've got a large tract excavator, an electric version of one of those just simply isn't viable. The number of batteries you'd need to have on the thing to power it, it, it would just sink into the ground. It would be so heavy. Yeah. So I think that that sort of machine lends itself to this evolution and will be the target for any large manufacturer. Engine manufacturers, well, they've got an interesting challenge, I guess, because if you if your business is producing internal combustion engines, you know, it's a big transition to move from that into fuel cell or into electric motor. I think we've yet to see any of the mainstream construction engine manufacturers start to produce electric motors because there is a specialist field built up around that already. And I know years ago when fuel cells were still very embryonic in the automotive world, the people 
researching and developing these things were people like Intelligent Energy at Loughborough University. So it really is cutting edge high-end technology and a world apart from building diesel engines. So again, a challenge for the sector. And as you rightly said, it's not just going to be a, a jolly old switch over to a new engine technology because once you remove that combustion engine, all of the suppliers of parts to those engines disappear as well. They either have to move on and do something else or they will become extinct. So I use the word deliberately that we're on an evolutionary path because just like evolution, some things will go extinct. Some elements of the industry will just disappear. And we've seen that in the car world. You know, if you're a garage servicing cars and you suddenly all your vehicles that are coming in are electric, you've got to retrain pretty sharpish to be able to stay with the game. And that in of itself is an expensive process. So it isn't going to be overnight. It's going to be a long-term evolution. But I think everybody in the industry needs to be aware of the direction of travel. And if you're in the engine manufacturer industry, if you're producing components for diesel engines, whether it be filters, oils, nuts and bolts, whatever it may be, then you need to be aware that, you know, that the wind's changing direction and you need to gear up to move with it. I think you're right there. And I think what also people have got to realise is actually, this is another discussion, but I'm going to bring it up, but we don't need to talk through it, um, uh, is that we've now got to look at the skills. So we've mm. now got to look at bringing people into the industry that aren't just going to be those individuals that are going to support us with the maintenance of machines that are diesel, but there are going to be those people that understand electric. So we've got to do new apprenticeships. We've got to do attracting different types types of people into our industry from the highly competitive automotive industry, which is sucking up people into this sector. So, you know, we've got a lot of extra work to do on skills, as well as the ability to rejig our factories to build these new pieces of equipment, haven't we? And I think that is a totally different uh, conversation, but we should be thinking about that right now, shouldn't we, Dave? Again, I mentioned a moment ago, Intelligence Energy at Loughborough University. You know, there's a company that was spawned off the back of the university off a couple of PhD students and it employs graduates. So the people building these cutting-edge fuel cells are graduate-level employees. And so as an industry, you know, look at how many graduate-level employees we have, and we might have some working in the top end of design and manufacture at places like JCB. But further down the ground, once these things are out in the field, they will need qualified people to maintain them, look after them, and understand how they work. So absolutely, you know, the industry itself needs to gear up for a much higher level of training and a different skill set. And, you know, personally, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a wonderful thing, um, because it does mean that as, as everybody looks to the future, now and I'll use that term that I used at the start the old build back better as we start to rebuild the industry after this crisis and look at the skills that are needed and all the people that suddenly are losing jobs in old industries you know this is a chance to embrace some of those and bring them into the construction industry and provide training and skill sets that will set them up for the next hundred years yeah and I think that's absolutely brilliant way to end this discussion Dave because you know we've got a real opportunity here to change our industry we know the direction of travel where that's going. We also know that people can do things at a pace, when, which has been seen through this pandemic and the way the industry can come together. So I'm sure that we can embrace hydrogen as a new fuel. I'm sure it will fuel other investments and other you know, skills that are needed to make sure that it works as a fuel. Dave, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Thanks for jumping on this subject matter with me. And uh, no doubt we will talk again.
Many thanks. I look forward to it, Peter. Thank you. So I really enjoyed that podcast, folks. Hydrogen is the future. And I think we're able to start that conversation now. Thanks to Dave from the CEA, but also thanks to JCB for putting that prototype out there that really has shocked and surprised the industry. So now what we've got to do is talk more about hydrogen, and I'll certainly be doing that in the future. And that's thanks to my sponsor, Ritchie Brothers. They're the used equipment specialists, and you can find out how to buy or sell with Ritchie Brothers at rbauction.co.uk. And certainly in the future, we're going to be selling some old equipment to be replacing them with new hydrogen units, especially if businesses like JCB get their prototype into action. So stay tuned in the future for more on carbon, more on fuel, more on sustainability, more on skills and more podcasts in general. Stay safe out there, folks. Thanks ever so much for listening. Until the next time. Bye bye.